We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the DFS OGs pod right here on Roto Grinders, talking everything week two. We'll recap week one. Obviously, a crazy week out there. High scoring week in week one. It's always the case, but we are back to get into week two. We'll cover the Thursday game. We'll cover the early slate here in part one as well. We'll take some of your questions along the way. And then part two, we'll cover the afternoon slate Sunday night and Monday night. I am your host, Chris Beermakers fan, Prince. Let me bring in my co-host here. Let's start with Notorious. Derek, what's going on? How was your week one, my man? Week one was good. By far my most profitable week one ever. Uh, I think I won like $5 total. So nice. uh, I'm pretty happy <laughs> with my week one performance. It's typically one of my worst weeks of the year. So definitely a high-scoring week, but uh, it was fun to watch. Well, you don't spend all that money in one place, no. You, you <laughs> save that, put that in the little man's uh, college fund. Chop, how was week one for you, brother? Week one was was not good, you know, pretty much uh, a losing proposition, but I brought it on myself with my game selection. You know, what happens is uh, yeah, they brought back college football, so now I spend 99% of the week looking at college football, and I finally cracked open the NFL stuff on Sunday morning and, of course, hit the deadline, running up against the wall, trying to jam all my research into one morning. So I just played nothing but the millionaire makers, and that's never going to be profitable unless you – win a million bucks and that's not going to happen most times so i lost money but it was due to game selection we'll bounce back this weekend i need to manage my time a little bit better that's yeah it can be a busy weekend and i was out in vegas trying to juggle all that and all the other distractions out there so same i was cramming everything in at the last minute but week two we can catch our breath you know get get got some time here so we wanted to get this out early to you guys i know a lot of people start their research early on in the week before we dive into thursday night and we'll focus on the DK, on the $750,000 tournament. We'll get into all that and how you want to attack that. Guys, let's start with some poor one outs. Just what week one and maybe some takeaways in general 
Real quick, don't want to spend too much time on it. We'll hit on a lot of that as we go throughout the podcast here. But, Chop, let's start with you. you you got to pour one out from week one and any kind of overarching thoughts on week one, uh, what went right, what went wrong, but what did we see in week one that really stood out to you? Well, I, this could go a couple different ways, but I guess I'll I'll just I'll go ahead and take a stand here and say I'm going to pour one out for Le'Veon Bell because his decisions <laughs> right now, man, this this got to be a little rough for him. He's watching his backup going in there and putting up the same numbers he would have put up, and it just kind of show, showing how interchangeable those running backs are. He's not doing himself any justice right now. Is basically. And uh, Connor, man, and, and, you know, that goes to my lineups too, pour one out, because I was way underweight on Connor. I really didn't think he would put up that kind of a game, so he kind of messed up some lineups by me fading him, and he was super, super chalky and put up that number. So, uh, you know, yeah, pour one out for Lev Bell, man, and my lineups because of James, James Connor for both of us. Yeah, Connor was awesome, Bell. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. No news yet on week two, but we'll see if he draws this out any further. All right, Derek. Thoughts on week one real quick, and you're pouring out for the first week of the NFL season. Yeah, I'll pour one out for the Browns, and you can take this a number of different ways. Uh, you got their fans just celebrating the tie. You got the bad management, clock management at the end of the game, the bad decision-making. You got Hugh Jackson, who has as many ties as wins in his last 30 games or something crazy like that. Uh, yeah, just pouring out for the Browns. I mean, they did get the tie, so I guess that's something to celebrate, but uh, – yeah, I mean they they got to do something. They gotta they gotta get a win under their belt. Well, how you force six turnovers and don't win a game? But <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy. So hey, they didn't lose. So Cleveland fans, you got that going for you. You got a zero in the loss column. I'm gonna pour one out for the Detroit Lions. Their fans. I live in the area. I am not a Lions fan, born and bred Milwaukee. So I'm a Green Bay fan. But that performance last night was absolutely horrific. You know, they, the Jets spotted you seven points in the first 10 seconds. The you know, throw by Darnold was, was horrible, and the Lions just got curb stomped from then on. So a lot of questions with that team. We'll get to it. Another tough matchup for them this week. So pouring one out for Detroit and the Detroit Lions. All right, guys, let's go over to Thursday night. Got a $750,000 tournament on DraftKings with a $10 buy-in. FanDuel with a $600,000 tournament a $9 entry. We're going to focus on the showdown series here on DraftKings. So Baltimore, Cincinnati, Derek, let's get started with you quickly. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this game, but how are we attacking this one? Maybe a couple guys that you're looking at for that captain spot. So the first thing I notice is the pricing. It's a little bit tighter than it was last week, even in this single game showdown slate. Last week, you could force in two of both of the starting quarterbacks in that Thursday game and uh, get away with it. It's not going to be able to do that this week. So you're definitely going to have to take some more flyers down the board. Um, I love that Joe Mixon was basically an all every down back last week. He got all three of the touches inside the 10-yard line for the running backs. And he looked really good. Um, I'm going to keep pounding him, especially with this game being in Cincinnati. I know Baltimore, very good run defense, but I like him uh, as my captain. Uh, Alex Collins, not really sure what to expect. You know, last week went exactly how we hoped for. You know, they got out to a big lead, and he saw 30% of the snaps and basically didn't do anything um, other than score that touchdown. So really weird game from him. I think they're going to be mixing in their running backs uh, throughout the year. So I'm a little hesitant to play him on the road in this spot, but I love mixing. I think if I'm going with a cheap receiver, I like Tyler Boyd. Uh, over John Ross just because he did get more snaps and more targets. And then on the flip side, I like John Brown as, uh, you know, an upside play on the Ravens. 
All right, Chop, your thoughts. Again, captain spot, who are you looking at there? And maybe some cheap guys in this game, people to focus on. Yeah, I would say that uh, John Brown is, is a prime guy you could put in there, like Derek said. But then after that, I'm going to say that, uh, we, you know, these are the things where you, you can take a real stand here and be different in these showdown slates and, and try to differentiate yourself. So I don't mind playing a defense, either or Ravens or Bengals in this thing. If, if you think it's going to be a defensive battle, put a defense in that captain spot. And, uh, and you know, they could very easily be the high scorer in this game. Or if you really want to be different, and this is this is going to, this is a stretch. I don't know if I would I would go this route, but it saves you money, helps you out. Justin Tucker, you know the best kicker in the game. Put him in that captain spot. Hope it's just a total field goal battle, and he kicks four or five field goals. He's the highest scorer in the game, and something like that'll totally separate yourself. But you know, going the other route, like last Thursday, Julio, that was a pretty easy one to stick in there. But there is no easy, like, offensive player in this game that I look at and say, yeah, man, that's an easy one. Put him in the captain spot. This is a this is a defensive battle, so I could see using a kicker or a defense up there. Yeah, agreed. Uh, you, you can jam in kickers, both kickers, both defenses, maybe some running backs, and just hope for an ugly game. Uh, I don't mind that at all. If there's one guy I think offensively you could put in there, I agree with Derek, Joe Mixon was the workhorse. You know, we didn't see – much Giovanni Bernard in that game. So I like the Tucker call. I don't mind playing all the kickers, all the defenses, but Mixon probably the one offensive player that I'll be targeting the most in that slate. All right, let's move on to Sunday here. It looks like a pretty decent slate of games. Let's start with you, Chop Carolina and Atlanta. Carolina survived at home against Dallas. Atlanta, we know, Thursday night did not look great. Outside of Julio Jones, the rest of the offense just did not perform. Now it was a tough matchup at Philadelphia, but Carolina, pretty good defense as well. So what do we get here out of Atlanta, Chop? Do they come home? Do they respond? Or do you see this being an ugly slug-it-out game? No, I like Atlanta coming back home, playing in the friendly confines of their home stadium. It's better for the quarterback. It's going to be better for the receivers. I think they have a much better offensive game here. Julio looked great. Uh, I mean, I, until he ends up getting a little bit nicked up, I think you keep riding Julio as the number one wide receiver probably in football. And uh, I think it's a nice bounce-back game for Matt Ryan. I want to be interested to see if Devontae Freeman is banged up. I think he left that game Thursday. He's had an extended rest period. But if he's he's banged up, obviously Coleman would be one of the best plays on the entire Sunday slate. So, yeah, I think Atlanta bounces back with a good offensive performance. They usually put up – Julio put up those monster numbers against Carolina in the past. (laughs) I can see that one. And then uh, on the flip side, Carolina, a little bit disappointed in Christian McCaffrey's workload there. I really – I bought into the hype of a lot. And I know he's going to get more, and I'm not going to judge it on one game. But I did see uh, plenty of instances where they got down on the goal line and they they put in the bigger running back instead of McCaffrey. Didn't look like – it didn't look anything different than he did last year trying to run in between the tackles. So I'm not sold on McCaffrey being this sudden bell cow. But Devin Funchess would be my guy here. He's the number one offensive target for me on the Carolina team this week. All right, and keep an eye on, on Ian Thomas. So Greg, Greg Olson's going to be out for probably a few months here. And, Chop, you know Ian Thomas was a stud tight end at Indiana. So rookie tight ends don't generally come in and make a huge impact. But this guy's been good throughout the preseason. Only 2,900 on DraftKings. So I'm not running out to roster him, but certainly somebody that I'm keeping an eye on. All right, Derek, your thoughts here, Carolina and Atlanta. 
Yeah, I agree with Chop. Worth monitoring uh, Freeman's injury throughout the week. It sounds like he's going to be fine, but if he's out, Tevin Coleman becomes a must-play in all formats. Julio Jones, just a target monster. 19 targets, saw 49% of the market share there for Atlanta. I think that's going to continue, uh, not obviously at that rate, but he's going to be a target monster all year. Hopefully that touchdown is finally going to come. Hopefully that t- positive touchdown regression is coming his way. He's one of my favorite uh, wide receivers to pay up for. Christian McCaffrey was my third and wrong for last week. I played him over Melvin Gordon. I should have just played uh, the game instead of an individual player. I bought into the hype and all the touches, but I think it's a great bounce back spot for him. We know the Falcons struggle against pass catching running backs. Uh, McCaffrey did lose some work to uh, C.J. Anderson in the backfield, but he still played 85% of the snaps, which is a lot more than he played last year. We know he's going to get 8 to 10 targets, and you know hopefully he can break some runs out in this one. So I'm going right back to the well with McCaffrey. I think that's a pretty good price point. As I mentioned earlier, uh, as a whole, this slate is just priced up. So it's harder to make teams, and it's harder to fit those expensive running backs into your lineup. So I like McCaffrey, and then – with Greg Olson out, I do think it's a good spot for Funches or Ian Smith uh, to pick up some of those targets in the passing game. And maybe DJ Moore gets more involved. But, you know, one quick note that I wanted to bring up is week two is always a great time to target uh, the guys that didn't do so well in week one. So McCaffrey's one of those. We'll, we'll get through more of those throughout the, the show here. But uh, that's what I love about week two is that a lot of people overreact to things, and you can get guys at pretty low ownership. I think McCaffrey going to be one of those guys. All right, let's move on to the next game we got Indianapolis going to Washington, Derek. And, you know, Indy kind of expected more out of Andrew Luck and his offense. Didn't really get it done. Can they go to Washington and do anything? And Washington, on the other end, went to Arizona and played very well. A lot of that on the back of Adrian Peterson. So a couple of those runs looked like vintage AP, clearly going to be the workhorse there. How interested are we in Adrian Peterson here against the Colts? Yeah, so I'll start with Indy. It looks like they're going to be employing a very short passing game this season. Uh, There were concerns about Andrew Luck's arm strength, and uh, their offensive line obviously isn't great. Uh, Luck attempted 53 passes in the opener, only 319 yards, um, so he's just not attempting many many balls downfield. That does hurt T.Y. Hilton quite a bit, plus he's playing outdoors. So I think you can avoid him. I think Ryan Grant is an interesting uh, tournament play. I think he had eight targets in the opener. And if he's going to continue to dump off uh, these short passes, I think Grant's an interesting play. As far as our running backs go, just going to wait and see what happens with Marlon Mack. If he's back, I just want to avoid the situation altogether. But uh, Naheem Hines was very good catching the ball out of the backfield. He got a lot of dump offs as well. But overall, not too high on the Colts offense other than Jack Doyle. I think it's a pretty good spot for him. Now on the other side of the ball, Jordan Reed. As long as he's healthy, he's going to be one of the more productive tight ends uh, in the NFL. Uh, I'm glad that he made it out of week one alive. It doesn't look like he has a question mark next to his name just yet. Yeah, and I was wrong about Adrian Peterson. You guys called it, and I didn't listen. I kind of wish I would have played a little bit more of him. But I still – I can't pay 5,500 for him in this spot. I know he caught a couple passes last week, but for the most part, he's not going to be a guy that gets a lot of uh, work catching the ball out of the backfield. So, for me, it's probably just going to be more interested in the passing game. Uh, Alex Smith isn't a guy that takes a lot of deep shots, but I do like Jordan Reed quite a bit. And, yeah, that's about it from the Redskins. Yeah, I like the read call. I mean, the, the price jumped up as it should have. He was way too cheap last week. But, like you said, he, he's still healthy. You know, it's only week two. But still out there and the, the primary pass catcher for this team. And Peterson, I agree. You know, the lack of pass catching is problematic. FanDuel probably more of a target there at 6,700. So, Chop, quick thoughts. Any any interest in the Colts here? 
going on the road. And then Washington, is it AP? Do these pass catchers get anything going outside of Reed? Thoughts on the Redskins? Well, I have to correct you. It's not AP. It's AD. Yeah, see that? We, we can debate that all day. It's, <laughs> his, his damn initials in his name are AP. It's just well, like OBJ. All day. That was a college day. nickname. We're, we're in the pros now. All right, so he's still got he's still got a little bit of gas left in the tank. So uh, you know, I think it's Peterson and Jordan Reed for me. Alex Smith, I think you hit on it earlier. Uh, Derek did. Uh, it, Alex Smith just doesn't excite me as a quarterback that uh, I, that trickles down positive fantasy success to your wide receivers. So I don't necessarily like him. I do like the tight end and running back Peterson and Reed. On the flip side, I don't mind the Colts. Uh, I don't. I think they're going to stay competitive in this game and is, and they can score some points. Jack Doyle would be my preferred target in this offense. Like Derek said, the running backs are a mess. If Marlon Mack comes back, I don't want any piece of that. Uh, and I'm not gonna. I'm not willing to let Ty, you know, slide by the wayside just yet. Uh, eventually, some of those short passes will go to Ty, and he's good enough to break them long and make a whole day out of one play. So, let that price keep creeping down, and I'll start playing him coming up. Maybe even this week. All right. Yeah, should be low on for sure. So let's move on. Next game, Houston and Tennessee. So Houston, this final score probably looked better than the performance in New England. Deshaun Watson looked awful, you know, looked lost out there, just did not look crisp at all, still working off the rust. I do think this is one of those spots where we jump back on Deshaun Watson here. And as far as Tennessee, rough blow, guys. I mean, you lose Delaney Walker for the year. You potentially lose your quarterback. We'll see. Still waiting on news for Marcus Mariota, but Chop, let, let's start with Watson. Do you agree that th this is a spot? Let, let's get back on board and probably very low owned here in week two. Yes, this is a, a bounce back game for him. It looks like if, if he can't get it done here, then then we are going to have a lot of people talking about regression and all the other stuff, but it's a fine spot for him. So I do like Watson. I do like uh, Hopkins as whoosh, arguably the top guy this week so far. I mean, from what I've seen, I think, you know, Tennessee's secondary pretty pretty atrocious, and they absolutely got hammered by Kenny Stills. So I think uh, DeAndre is the number one guy there. He doesn't have any any competition for targets right now, especially if Will Fuller is out again. Uh, Lamar Miller is not exciting me. I really thought he would take on a bigger role, like more volume, and instead Alfred Blue just slides into that uh, second spot there and, and takes goal line carries and everything else. So I'm out on the running backs here. But Watson, Hopkins, big bounce back here. On the flip side, I need to know what's going on with Mariota because that's everything in this in this lineup. For, if there's no Mariota, I don't want Corey Davis and I don't want any of those other pass catchers. I'd probably stick to Derrick Henry. Mariota plays. I could see firing up Corey Davis, even taking Delaney Walker's backup, Joe Smith. It's not a terrible pass catching tight end. Uh, but that's kind of where I stand with that. A lot of it hinges on Mariota's health. Yeah, and, and Deion Lewis was the guy in, in the backfield. You know, saw the majority of the touches there. So he would be interesting. But I agree, it all circles back to Mariota. If it's playing Gabbard, I don't really want anything to do with that. In fact, the Houston defense would, would start surfacing to me towards the top. So, Derek, your thoughts on Deshaun Watson, that Houston offense, and then in Tennessee, are we just in wait mode with Marcus Mariota and his elbow? Great bounce back spot for Deshaun Watson. 
Uh, Tennessee, they are a pass funnel defense, so uh, they're really good against the run, really bad against the pass. We kind of saw that a little bit last week against Miami. 6300 is a great price point for them. If that comes with an ownership discount, uh, I'll be all over that, like pairing him up with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And it sounds like he's going to have Will Fuller back, so that'll give him another deep threat to work with. Um, should open up the field for you know pretty much everyone in this offense. So I like the you know Watkins, the Hopkins stack. I'm a little more interested in Miller uh, than Chop was, just because he did see 20 carries, did see a couple targets. I think the volume's still going to be there, and at 5400, I don't hate it, but uh, probably not going to make you know, any of my core lineups or anything. On the Titans. Yeah, all depends on Mariota. Uh, Corey Davis did see a ton of targets in that first game. They were playing from behind, which is probably why Deion Lewis uh, saw 71% of the snaps. Uh, I would be more interested in playing Derrick Henry in this one if Mariota's uh, healthy. Or maybe they build a lead or you know at least keep this game close. And I think the ownership discount on Henry over Lewis would be worth it. But um, for the most part, I think Jonu Smith is going to be the guy that I target the most. We love paying down at tight end, and we know Houston funnels a lot of targets to the middle of the field. So I think it's a great spot for Smith, and everything else depends on Mariota. All right, let's move on to all Ryan Fitzmagic. 48 points, Derek, on the New Orleans Saints. So we got a question on Twitter from at Brian Walker. What was the biggest week one fluke? And I'm going to say it was this Tampa Bay offense. You know, we've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick in spots, put up big numbers, now you go home, you, you face a Philadelphia defense is one of the best in the league, and I think it's really going to show here. So people, I'm not sure where the ownership is going to come out on. You know, smart people know Philadelphia is a very good defense, but a lot of people may try to go right back to this well, and I think it was a giant fluke. But your thoughts here, Philadelphia and Tampa Bay. Yeah, something about week one in that Saints defense just forgets to show up. Um, yeah, it's three years in a row that they've just given up huge outings to quarterbacks. Not too interested in Fitzpatrick. Not going to chase those points, especially if it comes at higher ownership. Uh, sounds like Deshaun Jackson's going to be out, suffered a concussion. So for me, not a ton of interest as a whole in this Buccaneers offense. I don't mind looking at Chris Godwin if Deshaun Jackson's out. Uh, 4600 definitely a good price point for him. Peyton Barber was the sort of workhorse there, uh, but he just didn't score. So maybe you could look at him again at 4000 I think that's a pretty good price point. On the other side of the ball, um, yeah, I just don't trust Nick Foles, and I don't trust J.H.I. You know, it sounds like he's got, you know, a bunch of knee issues. They don't really want to give him 20-plus targets a game or 20-plus touches a game. So there's not a ton of interest for me outside of Nelson Aguilar, who I think his ADOT was like 1.5 uh, in that opener. So, yeah, I don't know. Not a ton of interest in this game as a whole outside of maybe Chris Godwin. Yeah, pretty ugly game. I'm willing to, to roll the dice on Ajayi. It sounds like they're going to get him more involved. We, we saw him find the end zone twice, so uh, he would be the one guy. They have not announced the starting quarterback yet, Chop. Uh, it sounds like they're, you know, Foles probably going to be the guy. I think Wentz maybe next week. But thoughts on this game overall? Can Tampa Bay do it again? Any interest there? And in Philadelphia, didn't see much offensively. Can they get it going here against Tampa Bay? My initial thoughts on this game are that I like Peyton Barber. I liked him last week in week one. He was one of the reasons I was willing to pass up on James Conner because I was getting just as good of a price, and I thought I could outsmart everybody else by taking Barber, who's looked pretty good. But I'll go back to that well this time. Still a good price tag. Uh, and I'll bypass on these. Other, well, I mean, we don't know what Deshaun Jackson is going to do yet. If he's out, then Godwin would make a really nice salary saver guy. But uh, regardless of if Deshaun's out or in, Mike Evans is the number one guy for me here in this game. 
And uh, Philly, you know, got lit up by Julio. And I'm not saying Mike is exactly like Julio, but they are number one wide receivers on their team and with a pretty good skill set there. So Mike Evans would be my guy. On the flip side, yeah, man, maybe maybe take a shot with Aguilar. Maybe, maybe take an outside shot with a Mike Wallace. But I'm just not a fan of the Eagles offense with Nick Foles as quarterback right now. Outside of like two games in the playoffs last year, he's looked atrocious and he's bringing everybody down with him. So uh, I don't mind taking a shot at a receiver because Tampa Bay just got lit up by Mike Thomas. But, you know, Nick Foles is nothing. He's not going to do anybody any favors in this offense. Yeah, that game, one of the lower totals on the board. So pretty easy to ignore that one. Now, let's get to a little bonanza here, Chop. We got Kansas City, who we know has one of the worst defenses in the league. Pittsburgh coming home. We know they play much better at home. So questions for you. Travis Kelsey, one of those guys I think can bounce back in a big way here. Antonio Brown in that same camp. Ben Roethlisberger in that same camp. So address all those three. And then James Conner. I know a lot of people are going to say, he was great last week, but I only paid five thousand for him. Now I got to pay sixty seven hundred. Personally, I, I think that that's still a great salary on a guy that's going to touch the ball thirty times. Now, depending obviously on Le'Veon Bell, but a lot to unpack here, Chop. We saw Tyreek Hill go nuts in this game. So do we go right back to the well on all these guys? This obviously the biggest game stack of the week. So hit on whatever you want to hit on here. There, there's a lot to get to here. A lot to get to here. Kansas City and Pittsburgh. Well, we'll start off with Pittsburgh and James Conner. Yeah. So, what, what's, you know, I guess chalk it up to my own. Uh, I always dog on the preseason guys who, uh, you know, look at the preseason <laughs> and they do all that. But I didn't see James Conner in the preseason. Never saw him one time. If I had seen that he was – he had lost a lot of weight. He looked really, really quick. I didn't know that was the James Conner that was going to be playing on Sunday. I thought he was still big and bulky from – the last couple of years and slow footed and stuff, but that's not James Conner, man. That's he's a different guy this year. So he's on the Le'Veon Bell plan. You know, you come in, you're bulky at first, you lose a little weight and then you get better. It always guys who lose weight in the NFL always get better guys who end up wanting to put on an extra 10 pounds to absorb more punishment always end up being worse. So James Conner's on the good plan there. Yeah. You could play him at this price tag. You're getting a bell cow for 6.7 K. That's fine. But I think we're gonna. I think I'm gonna turn my attention more to the passing game here for Pittsburgh. I think Roethlisberger, Brown, Smith, Schuster, all bounce back. Hopefully, Vance McDonald is healthy this week. He he would be a good option. Also, I think they're gonna get off at home through the air, not necessarily on the ground. So, although Connor's still a good play, I want to turn my attention to the passing game for Kansas City. I think you can go right back to the well. In fact, Patrick Mahomes says this is a better matchup for him than last week. Believe it or not, so I don't mind Mahomes at all. Uh, Tyreek Hill is a freak. You can go there. Not super interested in the backfield here. and uh, But the one guy that stands out that probably did people dirty last week, Travis Kelsey, I would definitely fire up Kelsey as my number one tight end this week. Yeah, I think you could throw Kareem Hunt into that mix as well. Didn't do much last week. So between Kelsey, Hunt, Big Ben, Brown, who was good but not great, I, I think all these guys are bounce-back candidates here in week two. So – Derek, your thought. Again, a lot to get here. This game should be fun. Who are some of your favorite plays, Kansas City and Pittsburgh? Yeah, highlight this game, circle it. This is the one that you want exposure to. As far as the, you know, Pittsburgh's concerned, James Conner, let's say he has, you know, 10% less productivity than Le'Veon Bell. Uh, if Le'Veon Bell was healthy, would we pay 7800 for him in this spot? Absolutely. 
I will be smashing James Conner uh, in both cash games and tournaments once again. The Kansas City defense gave up 54 fantasy points to Eckler and Melvin Gordon last week, uh, and they struggled against the pass. So I think it's a great spot just to stack this uh, Pittsburgh offense. I like Big Ben at home, obviously. we got those home splits going for him. Antonio Brown also like uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's going to be the forgotten guy. I think, uh, you know, Connor, Ben, and Brown are probably garnering quite a bit of ownership. So I think uh, Juju is going to be a nice little uh, ownership discount there. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, I worry about Kareem Hunt a little bit. He didn't see a single target. That was uh, something that, you know, he brought to the table last year was catching the ball out of the backfield. Something to monitor moving forward. Probably not going to, you know, keep me off of him completely. But uh, I like Kelsey to bounce back quite a bit, like you guys mentioned. Taking those guys that burned everyone in week one, I think that's a really good uh, opportunity for week two. Uh, I like him on FanDuel since I do like paying down. At tight end on uh, DraftKings. And then Mahomes and Tyreek Hill go right back to that well. Uh, Tyreek Hill is just – he's a game buster, man. I mean, he can take anything to the house and he can beat any secondary. So I think it's a great game. You can load up on both sides. You can stack it in a number of different ways. I think it's going to be the Saints-Buccaneers uh, game of last week. Yeah, this is – Derek, you do know the definition of smash, right, when you smash somebody? Well, what I say? You said you're going to smash James Conner. I don't know. I don't know if you really want to. Sm- I don't know if you really. Want to, I don't know if you really want to smash James Conner. Smash him into my lineup, man. <laughs> oh, man. oh, chop! This is why we love you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, just smash the button, Derek. I think that's what you wanted to say. Smash the button next to James Conner. Smash the plus, yeah. There you go. All right. Coming off of that, let's move on to the 1-0 Dolphins and the 1-0 Jets there, Derek. I mean, both teams got it done. The Jets looked great last night. Outside of that first throw by Darnold, looked good. I was against Detroit. Maybe that had something to do with it. But they went in on the road, got it done in a hostile environment. Miami, again, wasn't pretty. But Kenny Stills really stood out to me as a guy that played well. So Jets, Dolphins, maybe a game that could go ignored by some. But I think there's some guys that we can pick out of this one. For Sam Donald to bounce back like he did after throwing that pick six on the road and then to come back and uh, beat the Lions, that was pretty impressive. Uh, and granted, Stafford definitely helped the Jets' uh, defense a little bit. But uh, I do think uh, Donald's somebody to watch moving forward. He looked good. Uh, took a deep shot with Robbie Anderson. That looked good. And Quincy Anunua seems to be his go-to guy. 4700 seems like a really good price point for a guy with a high floor that should see quite a few targets. As far as the running backs go, I wish they were a little bit cheaper. I still have some interest in Bilal Powell. Uh, he split the snaps with uh, Isaiah Crowell and ended up being the least productive of the two. But I do think he's going to be the guy that they look to a little bit more, especially in the passing game. But 5100 a little too expensive for me. On the Dolphins side, go right back to Kenny Stills, especially if Devontae Parker uh, is out. Sounds like he's uncertain for this game, so keep an eye on that throughout the week. And then, yeah, Kenny Drake's just going to get his workload eaten into by Frank Gore. Don't really love that. Don't really want to play Tannehill. Um, so maybe fire up some Jets defense. There we go. I mean, the, the spread opened at a pick them. We're already the Jets minus three. So a lot of money coming in on the Jets. So, Chop, Dolphins, Jets, what's standing out here? Uh, one of the questions, the fluke of the week. Yes. One of the, yeah, that's got to be the Jets, right? I mean, I know they, they – Darnold looks good, but – as a team in general, they looked the, – the Lions made them look like uh, pro bowlers. I don't – that was such a fluky game right there. So, that was my fluke of the week was that Jets performance. 
I expect them to fall a little bit back down to earth here. But you can still extract some fantasy value here. Um, on the Jets side, I was a fan of Anunwa going into that game. And I'm just as big of a fan this week uh, if Curse is held out again. So I'm down with that. Robbie Anderson, the, the better wide receiver, but I don't know if Darnold has a connection with him like that. I mean, that, that goes a long ways in the NFL, having a connection with a wide receiver. So I think I'm a fan of Benunwa there. On the other side, yeah, I can go back to Stills. I think looking at Golden Tate and Galladay and even Marvin Jones had some opportunities. Stafford was just really off. But those guys had big-time opportunities to just get wide open down the field. Well, Kenny Stills will make that happen this week. So uh, where Stafford didn't deliver, maybe Ryan Tannehill will deliver and get the ball to those wide receivers. So I'm a big fan of the Dolphins passing game here. Yeah, 10 targets for Nuno and one for Robbie Anderson. Now turn that into a touchdown, kind of saved his day. But I think that's a nice cheap receiver play there, Chopin and Nuno. So somebody to certainly keep an eye on. Let's move on to the next game, Chargers and Bills. So two teams that definitely disappointed Week one, the Bills, we kind of expected it. I don't know if we expect them to lose by 44, but that's what happened. The Chargers, a game they were supposed to win at home against a bad Kansas City defense, end up losing by 10 here. So we know Buffalo can be a tougher place to play, Chop. Where is your interest level here in the Chargers? And then after seeing what we saw at Buffalo, anybody, anything, is there anyone on Buffalo that we can roster in DFS? Buffalo, that's pretty easy one. It would be very difficult to roster any of these guys. McCoy would be the only guy I would even contemplate, and he's in such a bad game script these days with this team around him that I just don't know if you could even go there right now. Uh, on the other side, the Chargers always do things ass backwards. You know, when you expect them to win, they lose. When, they, when you expect <laughs> them to go in and lose, they win. So going into Buffalo, you wouldn't think it's a great spot for them. I wouldn't doubt if Rivers comes out with 300 yards and four touchdowns and uh, Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams. I mean, those receivers were wide open, and they just dropped some easy touchdowns for Rivers in that game. So uh, I would expect Rivers and those guys to bounce back. I, I, like, I mean, I could fire up any of these Chargers, actually. All right, Derek, same thing. Any any Buffalo Bills, and then what are we doing with the Chargers? Do you believe them here on the road in Buffalo? Yeah, no interest in the Bills. Complete fade for me. Definitely more interest in the Chargers defense. If they get Bosa back, which sounds like he's kind of doubtful at this point in the week, but if they get him back, I'll be firing up their defense quite a bit. Don't mind the Chargers offense. Probably don't like him as much as I did a week ago, uh, but I definitely like the two you know, main guys, Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon. They're going to be you know, mainstays in my tournament lineups. Not really looking to, you know, fire a shot on, you know, Eckler who had the big week but only played 22 snaps or Tyrell Williams who caught the touchdown, Mike Williams who had pretty decent outing. But uh, for me, it's just going to be Allen and Gordon and maybe some Chargers defense. All right, two games left here on part one. You are listening to the Daily Fantasy OGs podcast here on Roto-Grinders. Let's move on, guys. Minnesota and Green Bay. We saw Aaron Rodgers do what Aaron Rodgers does, an unbelievable performance. We'll see if he's ready to go in week two. He obviously says, yeah, I'm going to play. Well, that's when he was high as a kite still after the game. So <laughs> we'll see when reality strikes uh, and how that knee is feeling. But I don't know that he goes. We're starting to see the line go towards Minnesota. That tells me Aaron Rodgers probably not going to go. But obviously that leaves Green Bay up in the air. As far as Minnesota, you know, we're in a dogfight with San Francisco. They got the job done. Now going to Green Bay, obviously, you know, a big divisional game here even early in the season. So, Derek, I know Green Bay we're kind of on hold on, but what are we doing here 
with Minnesota. That Green Bay defense looked awful in the first half, looked much better in the second half. What about this Minnesota passing game? And then Dalvin Cook looked great. So who are your main targets here for the Vikings and in Green Bay? Just Aaron Rodgers on hold, but what are we doing if or if he does not play? I think this is a sneaky shootout type of game if Aaron Rodgers plays. If he doesn't, uh, I'll probably have more interest in the Vikings. You know, Thielen Diggs, go right back to that, Will. I think they're both in play here. For the rest of the year, I'm kind of higher on Diggs and Thielen. Uh, we'll see how that works out. Dalvin Cook, we thought they were kind of e- going to ease him in back into action, but he saw 80% of the snaps, uh, had a large workload, pretty decent matchup against Green Bay. I think uh, he's certainly in play at 6,500. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, always a guy that gets overlooked at tight end. I know Green Bay has been decent against tight ends in the past, but I uh, don't mind looking at him. Probably not a spot where I want to play Cousins on the road against the Packers, but um, yeah, some interesting options on the Minnesota side. As far as Green Bay, just going to wait on Rodgers. If he's active, I think you can play Adams. I think you can play uh, you know Jimmy Graham as a touchdown or bust tight end option. Randall Cobb, uh, obviously coming off of that big game, so a lot of wait and see in this game, but I do think there are going to be some intriguing options as long as uh, Rodgers suits up. Yeah, I'm going to add Geronimo Allison to that as well. Eight targets in that game, found the end zone. So he looked good. Rodgers, we know, has a good connection with him. So if Rodgers is in there, a lot of interesting aspects in the passing game. Probably going to pass on the running game here. Jamal Williams looks serviceable, looks like a guy, you know, he can, he can pass protect. He's got that going for him, but not somebody I'm overly excited about uh, in Daily Fantasy this week. So – Chop, same question for you. Green Bay, if Rodgers is in or out, what are we doing there? And then Minnesota, is it the passing game? Is it the running game? Or is it both? Uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's that's such a huge question because I'll say, I say exactly what Derek just said. If Rodgers was in there, I think this is a uh, sneaky shootout game of the week right here. But if he's not, it's the exact opposite. It's a total fade because – I mean, not only do you have do you lose the best quarterback in the game, but your backup is Deshaun oh Kaiser. Yeah, was he horrible? You, you. He's been horrible since oh. day one. So, oh. like, it, it's I, I've never it's such a one eighty right there that uh, Aaron Rodgers. But if he's in there, I think it's all shootout potential. I'm going to say as if Aaron Rodgers was in there. So if Aaron Rodgers is in there, I actually like Geronimo Allison quite a bit. I think Devontae Adams draws the tougher coverage can beat it a little bit, but Aaron Rodgers is not one to attack the tougher coverage. He's one to go elsewhere with it. I think Cobb just used up his big game, so I would go Allison. Or even Jimmy Graham would be good, too, in that situation. But uh, the passing game for Green Bay looks really good here if Aaron Rodgers plays. On the flip side, that makes Minnesota's offense even better. They weren't really ever tested last week. I know San Francisco kind of held tight, but it was more of a fourth quarter kind of thing. Well, they had a bigger lead. They didn't really need to press the issue. I'm looking forward to a game where Cousins can air it out to Thielen and Diggs when, you know, where they're via the opposing offense is actually keeping pace. And I think this is the game if Aaron Rodgers plays. All right, last game here in part one. We'll wrap this thing up. We'll come back with part two, cover those afternoon games. We'll cover the Sunday night game and we'll cover the Monday night game. And of course, we'll take more of your questions here. And we got a question on this one, Chop. So I'm going to start with you, Cleveland, New Orleans. The question comes in from A.R. Turner on DraftKings. Will Alvin Kamara be 100% owned? So I have one question for you, Chop. Are you smashing Alvin Kamara? Man, (laughs) if if DraftKings would allow me to go back in time and make my roster and and lock Kamara in from last Sunday, I would smash Alvin Kamara for sure. (laughs) In order to make that happen, for sure. But – 
can't do that, so we can't go back in time. It's unfortunate. Uh, you know, he was, he was just chalky, and I had him a little bit less in the field. But at 9.5, yeah, man, I don't know, man. I, you know, I'm debating. I like a – I don't think a player, when he gets into this price range, is ever a lock button. You know, no matter how good they are or how good they can be, it's just never a lock button in this price range. It's usually the cheaper guys that I would lock in. So I don't think he's a lock button for me. I, I think that, you know, if I think he's going to be super highly owned, I can, I can actually fade him a little bit. I know he's good, but phew, Cleveland, not a bad defense, man. I think they got some talent there, but we'll see. I don't know. hundred percent. No, 90%. No, I think, I, but I do think he's going to get up in that 40% range after that last performance. Yep, for sure. Now, thoughts on the game. We, we saw him get a ton of targets. We saw Michael Thomas get 17 targets and a lot of that. You're playing from behind all day. But at home, a team that's probably pissed off if they're getting their ass kicked against Tampa Bay, do they come out and, and smash here? That's our word of the day. Do they come out and smash the Cleveland Browns? You know what else helped Kamara quite a bit was that first quarter, I think it was first quarter, fumble by your boy Gillisley. <laughs> put, the, put the ball on the turf gave it back to tampa bay and of course camara is going to get all the reps after that because you're not you can't have a guy fumbling out there like that so that hurt that hurt if you faded camara but uh saint new orleans is a pretty cut and dry thing here you know you go camara you go thomas they are they're going to be the new Le'Veon bell antonio brown double stack i think you could play them every week in, in a lineup together not a problem they're, they're they are the two focal points of this offense and uh, other than that, that's it's tough to get a read on other guys like Ginn or, you know, Trey Smith. I'm not going to pull the trigger on those guys. It's a two-headed monster right there. For New Orleans, for Cleveland, they're interesting. Tyrod Taylor's still just a game manager. He's still a little bit overrated by the analytical community. But, you know, he's got some good weapons. Landry, nice weapon. Josh Gordon, I'm ready for them to turn loose. But one of these guys is going to get saddled with Lattimore, a pissed off Marshawn Lattimore too. So mm -hmm. I think, I think they're going to be in trouble, but the other guy is going to actually be a pretty good play. I just don't know who it's going to be yet. So uh, Landry or Gordon, one of them is going to get off. I'm leaning towards uh, Gordon getting the shadow treatment and then that would make Landry a pretty solid play. Yeah. I think we'll see a lot of Landry out of the slot. So 6,300 on DraftKings, full PPR, probably playing from behind most of the day. I really like that play this week. So, Derek, same question for you. How highly owned do you expect Kamara to be this week? Is it all all systems go for New Orleans again? And then who are your targets on the Browns? Yeah, I'm going to go back to the pricing. Once again, it's tougher to make lineups this week. If we had the same values that we did a week ago, I think you could easily hit the lock button on Kamara. I uh, wouldn't smash him. Wouldn't smash him. I'm going to smash Connor instead. Um, Oof. <laughs> but uh, – no, I mean, there's just not as many values. So it's hard to fit a 9.5K guy in your lineup. So I'll definitely have some exposure. I played over 80% of the snaps. Uh, poor one out for Gillisley. Who knows what's going to happen with him moving forward. But the Saints defense isn't as bad as it looked last week. And their offense should be, you know, just as productive. So I'm a little bit worried that they bounce back in a big way. We know Cleveland's coming off of uh, their biggest game in two years or something like that. So maybe they have a letdown on the road. I just I'm worried about game flow in this one. If they get out to a big lead, I don't know what to expect from their uh, big guns on the Saints. We'll have some exposure to Kamara and Michael Thomas, but not as much as the field most likely. Then on the other side, um, yeah, I mean Tyrod Taylor's fine. I think uh, he's got offers a high floor since he does run so much. But Jarvis Landry is the guy I have the most interest in. 
do think Lattimore is going to be on Gordon. I know he can win in any matchup, but um, yeah, I don't expect Lattimore to get beat a lot this season, and he did last week against Mike Evans. So for me, it's going to be Landry and then uh, maybe a couple shots on some of these Saints guys. But uh, I'll definitely have lower, less exposure to these uh, Saints guys than the rest of the field. So I know we already poured one out, but I'm going to pour out one more here. I will, I will never again be smashing Mike Gillisley. I'm just going to say that here publicly. Last time, I'm done. Put a, put a wrap on it. So that will wrap us up here for part one of the DFS OGs podcast. Come on back. Part two, we'll discuss the four games that kick off at 4.05 Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football, and we'll answer more of your questions for Noto. For Chop, I am Beer. They will see you back in part two.